Robert, it's great to have you back on the show. Second Timers Club. We're so glad you're here. Thank you, Rachel. It's a joy to be back. Well, another great book from you would expect nothing less. And you write in this book that no British monarch, speaking, of course, of King Charles, has had a tougher act to follow. And that Queen Elizabeth taught a masterclass in how to reign, which, you know, from my lowly perspective, I would completely agree with that. So you literally wrote the book on King Charles. What is your assessment of his first 16 months on the throne? Well, it, it certainly we're in a place that I didn't expect us to be, um, as you say, Rachel. I mean, it was a, it was an incredible act to follow. Um, no one had reigned as long as Elizabeth II. Um, by the end of her reign, the end of her life, she was this um, sort of almost sort of mythical um, figure on the world stage. She'd just been around so long. She'd been she'd actually been reigning longer than half the countries on earth um have existed in their in their yeah. present form so i mean you know that was the, the 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 level of the challenge for king charles and i think you know most people thought he was i'm um, gonna do you know do his best but boy were there some challenges ahead of him not least you know on the private side with with harry with andrew but also on the political constitutional side with the sort of rise of uh, anti-monarchist feeling in some of his realms and uh, the, the the rise of sort of historical justice campaigns so all in all I think a lot of us expected him to have quite a rocky ride uh, and there certainly were some some challenging moments but here we are um, at the start of uh, 24, and, and he's in a very strong place. Um, he has the overwhelming support of the British public. Um, yes, there have been family issues or sort of ongoing. Um, though, I mean, if you're a monarch, there's always something to worry about every day of the week. But, um, but, but you know, he's in a strong place. He and, and, and crucially, and I hope I convey this in the book, he's really enjoying himself. He is enjoying being king. Mm -hmm. uh, in the same way that his mother enjoyed being queen, even in the darkest days, and it was still something that she she you know she genuinely relished. Mm -hmm. um, and so we we're seeing quite a contented King Charles right now. Well, King Charles had many many years to prepare for this role. I mean, he had really a seventy four year apprenticeship. And from your perspective. Do you think that's paid off? And after waiting your whole life to take the throne, are you ever really prepared for that moment? Well, that's that's a good question. I mean, and I, and I always think it's worth remembering that uh, it, Charles was born for this moment, for this position, whereas his mother wasn't, and his grandfather wasn't, mm -hmm. and his great-grandfather indeed wasn't. You know, George V was the youngest son, George VI was the youngest son, Elizabeth II was 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 the daughter of a younger son, so um, you know it, the the throne sort of ended up um, coming to them um, by circuitous routes, if you like. Whereas with Charles, I mean, it was you know from the day he was born, it was quite clear one day he'd be monarch. And yeah, I mean, seventy four years or seventy three years actually it was uh, at the time uh, the he was seventy three at the age of at, at the time of his, his accession, seventy four um, when he was crowned. Um, and he clearly had given it, I think, much more thought than we had uh, realised. Um, he was very correct, I think, all through, uh, particularly the latter years of the Queen's reign, not to, uh, you know, let us have sort of briefings or nods or little leaks here and there on what he was planning to do. He kept it very, very much to himself. 
um, to the point that um, uh, most of his family didn't really know what sort of things he had in mind. His staff um, only had the sort of vague outline. I mean, things like, you know, obviously there were, there were, there were quite in-depth detailed planning of, the, of what would happen when the Queen died. But in terms of how he would um, structure uh, his his reign, um, in, you know, where where he would where he would actually physically be, uh, where he would live, um, how he would approach all these questions we had. You know, what's he going to do with charities like the Prince's Trust? Uh, I think a lot of people expected him to be um, continuing to get very involved in environmental matters, um, and. These were all questions that were up in the air um, without any sort of clear answer, uh, as I say, because he felt that uh, it was just inappropriate to talk about these things while the Queen was alive. And I do think it's remarkable when I look back now um, at, at the sort of the, the last couple of years of the Queen's life. She was getting increasingly um, uh, fragile. She was increasingly, she was having what, what, what were described as mobility issues, um, often not turning up at events. Um, of course, she was widowed with the death of Prince Philip. And you would have expected, I think, in retrospect, to have heard more noises, if you like, coming from the media, the commentariat, political figures or whatever, people saying it really is time for the Queen to step aside. You know, it's time to 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 to, to move on. And, and just this month, we've, we've seen the, uh, the 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 Queen of Denmark, Queen Magrath of Denmark, mm -hmm. doing just that. And I, I you know, I think we I'm I am surprised looking back that there weren't those voices and there genuinely weren't. Nobody was saying, um, look, Elizabeth II is nearly 100. Um, she's clearly um, not very well. It's time to um, change things around. That, that that was not an argument that was taking place. And I think credit for that goes obviously to her for, um, for, 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 for soldiering on. But it also goes to, to Charles for, for not letting that, that, that question be asked, if you like. It, it, her authority was absolutely undiminished um, the day she died. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the things that sets this book apart. There's a lot of things that sets this book apart. It's a great book, but the access that you had, and you mentioned that the King himself was involved in the book. He gave you access to materials to help you write it. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, he, he, he didn't, I mean, he hasn't read it. Um, uh, his, his officials have had no, uh, no say in, in, in it or editing it. Um, what, yeah. what I was granted was um, by him specifically was access to uh, the Royal Archives, which are in Windsor Castle, in the in the heart of the Round Tower, um, and 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 that was that was to look at um, material relating to the previous coronation. I I, I wasn't given access to contemporary um, private material, private documents. I mean, those those won't those won't surface in public until well, until after the king's died, um, and 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 his papers are. Handed over to an official biographer many years hence, but uh, but no. Uh, so I had from him, I had access to to some of the files on on the last coronation. Um, but well, crucially, I was able to talk to um, lots of people in and around his circle, family, friends, um, two prime ministers, uh, you know, archbishops, uh, people people who were on the inside throughout this extraordinary period and and 
um they very kindly agreed to talk well, almost all of them didn't want to didn't want to speak um publicly um but um i think there was a sense that it's important to get the record straight to have it you know have a clear record of what actually went on during what was let's face it um probably the most seismic upheaval in um modern post-war british history yeah absolutely well in a little while i'm going to ask you about the queen but before i do that i have to ask can you describe king charles for us both as a monarch and as a man well uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'll try and distill uh, what I've done in the <laughs> you book. You wrote a it, huge book on it, so listeners, if you want to think, learn the I whole thing. In a, I think I'm in a position to, have to say a few words. Yeah, he <laughs> he's, he's a very thoughtful man. He is, if you want to just sort of set him apart from his mother in terms of their sort of approach to the job, their style, I think it would be fair to say that she was much more of a pragmatist, uh, whereas he has always been a little bit more of a romantic. Um, he's more thoughtful. He reads and reads. He reads loads of books. He stays up late reading and writing letters. And um, he's forever kind of convening meetings with uh, experts on this and that. Um, he's He has a very kind of quizzical, um, investigative mind i think he would have made a good journalist actually mm. um and 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 in that regard i think he takes a lot after his father who was always asking questions about everything to everybody um whereas the queen was uh, a more uh, was a sort of quieter more um I, I think less less inquisitive more stoical if you like um and but but since he's become king what what i think we've seen and i've mentioned this earlier you know he's he's as a, almost a sort of relief um, that, you know, finally he's in charge. He can make his own decisions. He doesn't have to um, constantly think, oh, I wonder how this is going to play down with the with the Queen's officials or, you know, I'd better get this cleared with the Prime Minister. He He's, he, he's enjoying um, being in charge. He's also, I think, he's a, a characteristic he shares with his mother is that, that she was and he is very... Um, more forgiving, really. I mean, I think, you know, you look at the way that the Duke of York has been, um, despite endless um, embarrassments in his various legal actions, um, Prince Andrew is, you know, he, he's still there at family events. He's included as part of the family unit, which I think a lot of people thought he might not be. Mm -hmm. um, and there we saw him at Christmas, not just at the heart of the family, but with his ex-wife, who was sort of welcomed back into the fold. She'd been sort of frozen out of the royal orbit for, you know, a good 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 it's the same with, with Harry and, and, and Meghan. I mean, yes, of course, there are plenty of issues that we, we all know well, but um, ultimately, he he's, you know, he, as I, I was told repeatedly by people around him, you know, he wants to keep the door open. He's he's not he's not judgmental. Um, he would, you know, dearly love to to have a sort of re improved relationship with his younger son. So he's yeah, he's he's um, quite open to uh, to change. He's got a lot of things he needs to change. Mm -hmm. um, I think his coronation, um, when you compare it, I mean, obviously it looked like a very traditional event with lots of, you know, crowns and ancient jewels and all the rest. But actually, it was the most radical coronation we've ever 
ever seen in this country by a very long mm -hmm. way in, in 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 terms of its diversity inclusivity the way that the the, the wording was sort of carefully uh tweaked to bring it into the 21st century um so he's uh yeah he's he's a modernizer um but he's also um he's he's very traditional when it comes to things like you know architecture and landscape and the 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 the, the countryside and things like that um and I think he's less um, he's less irritable than uh, he used to be. It was often said, and there were numerous examples that he, you know, he did have a temper on him, mm. and he could get quite cross about small things um, in the past. And right at the start of his reign, I, you may remember there were these sort of moments with a leaky pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's going, "Oh, look at his oh, look! There he is. He's boiling over. If, if he can, if he can get cross about a pen, just think what's going to happen when he's, you know, a few years into the reign." But actually, I mean, the, 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 there hasn't really been that much more than the the, the pen episode. Um, you know, he he's I, I just he's he's definitely comfortable um, in 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 his own skin, and and uh, and I think a lot of the credit for that, I have to say, goes to Queen Camilla as well, who's very much a sort of um, kind of calming and, and mm -hmm. up, upbeat figure around the court who is um who who i think has, has played a really important role well we are going to talk about the queen in just a moment but you write in the book when asked what he would do if he could take a few days off being royal the king has said he would like to immerse himself in art in many mm -hmm. ways it would be lovely to have a sabbatical and find out a bit more about the origins of the royal collection he told me some years ago of course talking about king charles speaking to you robert and mm -hmm. do a bit more studying in italy because it is always rather fun so imagining him he's such a workhorse his work ethic mm -hmm. is unparalleled but imagining him taking a few days off is strange he's a bit of a, a workaholic and do you think that that work ethic which is great but he works sometimes until 4 a.m do you think he'll burn out eventually or is he used to this type of pace i mean he doesn't even take a lunch he doesn't eat lunch so yeah. do you think do you think he'll ever burn out well i is it, I'm, I'm sure his advisors um are constantly sort of urging him to take things a bit you know take more easily because i mean yeah he's under obviously a lot of stress he's a head of state he's a head of state of 14 other countries as well as the uk and and he's now in in his late 70s and that he's 75 you know he'll be 76 in november um and and as you say he doesn't um he doesn't eat lunch he's always sort of pushing himself he's very fit um he has um <laughs> for a number of years really since since he was a young man he's done a, a, um, <clears throat> these things called Canadian Air Force exercises. It's a sort of um, exercise regime invented during the war for Canadian pilots. And Prince Philip was a big fan of it. And, and so is Prince Charles. And it's just a sort of 10 to 15 minute daily exercise routine. But um, uh, but it's clearly, it, it seems to work. He loves walking. He's a very agile 75-year-old. Um, um, and as you say, I mean, he does stay up late at night he 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 likes to um be on top of you know all the paperwork uh, i think one of the problems that we had in the run up to the coronation things were was certainly there was a log jam of decisions i remember it was getting quite stressful for some people with about a fortnight to go before the coronation because people didn't know what they were supposed to be doing or wearing or what you know where who what what role they were going to have um simply because everything was going uh, across his desk and he he wanted to be 
on top of it. So people didn't dare make decisions without checking with him. So he's he's quite a, I mean, you know, some might say control freak. Others might say he's he's a details man. But he, um, you know, he he he's certainly. Um, as, as, as I think, so, as I say in the books, it was said to me by a couple of people, you know, uh, working too hard is not a problem for him. Having too much on his plate is not a problem. Mm. Uh, you know, he will cope. Um, uh, but he, yeah, I think he, he, he as he gets older, um, I think, you know, he, he would be wise to, um, to, to start delegating a bit more because, you know, when you're in your late 70s, you can't, and, and he's... I mean, he hasn't even begun really to 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 start touring the world, which um, mm-hmm. which you know there are, there are a lot of invitations sitting there from um, from other world leaders who who very much want to have a state visit by the by the King of the UK. Um, not least, I'm sure he's, he's you know high on the list will be a trip to the US. Yeah. Um, that's got to happen. Um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, he's but he's in, he's in he's in pretty pretty strong strong uh, he's in good health. Um, and I think as as well as the other key thing, um, as well as Queen Camilla, is um, he does love being in um, in Scotland, and particularly at Burke Hall, um, the, the, the house on the Balmoral Estate. And I've noticed that he's spending more and more time there. I think that's where he goes to recharge the batteries. So as long as we've got Queen Camilla and Burke Hall, um, I think he'll be fine. Well, speaking of Queen Camilla, I said we would talk about her for a second. You write that she is a great asset to the king. So what makes her the right partner for him in this role? Well, I think she has the that 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 very important balance of being um an equal, of being someone he can confide in about everything, but at the same time of 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 sort of accepting, respecting his um his position. Um not not in the sense of, you know, he he he, he you know he, I mean, she does call him the boss, mm-hmm. uh, but everybody knows that kind of she's the boss, really. <laughs> um, and it's quite um, fun watching them on uh, on on walkabouts or engagements together. Um, and he does he he he's always been one for sort of getting into into conversations, and and you see everybody looking at their watches, and everyone's a bit nervous about going up, going up to him and saying, "Look, so frankly, could you just you know get a move on because we're late." Um, the only person who can do that is is Queen Camilla, and she does. And I, I've seen her. She has this rather um, funny habit of um, she she just she's got sort of sharp corner of her her handbag, and she'll just stick it in the small of his back, and he'll, <laughs> he'll suddenly turn around, and it's like, oh right, better go, um, you know. And that's her. Um, that's her. Uh, yeah, and other things. I mean, I, I see that they. You know, he loves. He's always opening windows. He loves fresh air. And she quite likes warm, cozy rooms. So those two don't really go together. So there's there's often quite a battle over windows. You know, he'll 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 come into a room and ask for all the windows to be open, and then she'll come in and have them all closed again. Um, so there are a few window battles. Um, but um, but you know, she it's quite interesting. I mean, he, he, he the, the queen was famous for her corgis, and and Prince Charles always liked having dogs. But the, the dogs around the house they are Queen Camilla's dogs. They're not his dogs. Um, there are two Jack Russells. It's, uh, the corgis have gone. The age of the corgi is over. We are in Jack right. Russell territory yeah. now, and they're and they're Queen Camilla's Jack Russells, and and he loves them dearly, but they're hers, um, you know. And and uh, he doesn't make. I mean, he's got he has very clear views on on, on things like architecture and design and 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 how, how the sort of the, the administration of all the 
palaces and the, and the estates and what's going to happen to them. I mean, that's very much his call. Um, she wouldn't get involved in that. Um, but she'll certainly um, be the one who is sort of talking, you know, has, has ideas about how to um, how to approach a big event, whether it's a, a state visit or whatever. Um, she, she, she does a lot of that. Uh, or the entertaining side of things, she's very central to that. Whereas, you know, the, the, the late queen would do all that on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, as monarch, Prince Philip didn't really get involved. Um, the, the king, I think, relies on her a lot for those sort of things. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, the book is filled with so many interesting anecdotes, just as some that you just shared. What was the most interesting piece of research that you gleaned while writing the book? Oh well, that's that. No, that's a, that's a very good question. I mean, the the I think hearing and discovering the the real stories of what was going on um, in those hours and days around the the, the 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 death of the Queen. I mean, that was extraordinary. Hearing how um, it it really did take people by surprise because um, there was. Uh, there was a it clearly, you know, the, the Queen had started, her health was declining all through 22. And towards the end of the summer, it, things were getting worse. But, you know, she was very sort of stoical about it. And what she was absolutely determined, she would, you know, her, her number one job is to is to appoint the Prime Minister, the fundamental role of a constitutional monarch. And she was determined to do that. And she did that. Um, but Having done that on September the 6th, she appointed Liz Truss as, as the last prime minister of her reign. Um, the, the speed with which she then um, went went downhill, I think, took everybody by surprise. And, and hearing the, 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 how all that unfolded, how, um, you know, the doctors, family, staff, everyone was thinking that, you know, this, this, the, the, this was going to be a matter of days. And suddenly it turned into a matter of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was incredibly, I think, fortunate that um, the, the the king was that Charles was was there. I mean, he wasn't at her bedside as uh, as at, at the moment she died. Um, I mean, again, I mean, I, one of the most extraordinary things is to, to learn that he was actually at the wheel of a car um, when it when it happened. You know, we mm-hmm. we all were all raised on that story of um, Princess Elizabeth in, in 1952 um, going up up the giant fig tree in uh, in yeah. the Aberdeen National Park. Um, as a princess and coming down the next morning as a queen, um, you know these these moments matter. They're, they're, they become part of history, um, and, and 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 I think learning about how um, you know all the decisions that were being taken really very very quickly um, in those hours after the death of the queen, um, despite you know yes there were there were lots of plans in place and yes she was you know um, well into her. 10th decade but at the same time um you know a, a lot had to be decided and a lot could have gone wrong um and it didn't um and 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 again i mean i think you're finding out about a lot of the thinking behind the coronation a lot of the decisions um that the king took early on about how to you know where 
what are we going to do with all these palaces? Because you know he, he's he's got more residences, I think, than any monarch ever. Right? He's got eleven if you if you if you add them all up. Um, and and I think people, I expected that to become a quite a controversial issue quite early on, um, but it hasn't actually. People haven't um, uh, made a big thing of it because I think there is a, a, a genuine understanding that it's it's that 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 situation is not sustainable. Um, and that there are going to be have to have to be quite big decisions about a lot of the royal residences. Um, they just you know they haven't happened yet, but they will happen. Um, but but yeah, fi fi finding out all those those uh, you know the, the, as I said, that's on the cover of the book, the inside story. I think it's just just hearing it from those who were there. Um, it's has been utterly fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, Prince William is now next in line to the throne. I want to talk about him and, and King Charles for a second. Can you share a little bit about what their relationship is like, is like, not just as, you know, father and son, but also as their relationship as monarch and heir? Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting one. It's a very good question because, I mean, history is littered with stories of the tensions between the monarch and the heir. Um, and... There were, you know, there were fairly well documented tensions between, um, not so much between the late Queen and, and Prince Charles, but certainly between the late Queen's staff and Prince Charles. I mean, they would have uh, quite a lot of, there was, there was quite a lot of tension at times, particularly when he was doing some of his more um, radical um, charity initiatives like his Prince's Trust, which at times were, you know, bringing him pretty not not in exactly in in into opposition to but certainly rubbing up against um government policy in the in the years of margaret thatcher um so you know that 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 was uh that that at times was was quite a feature of of charles the the heir to the throne um william is 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 a less confrontational figure i think it's safe to say he he doesn't um, whereas, whereas Prince Charles had had big world views on, um, on you know, whether it's the environment, education, um, the, the the way that we build our cities and towns, the sort of interaction between um, man and nature, um, and I think Prince William is more um, is more practical actually, rather like his grandmother, the Queen, um, who who you know didn't lie awake at night wondering about the meaning of life and what does it all mean and reading. Uh, you know, uh, lots of um, uh, dense um, books on the subject. You know, he he liked the Queen. I think William is a sort of uh, likes likes to have you know sensible briefings, um, get to the heart of the matter, make quick decisions, um, and um, and 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 isn't um, you know he he's not looking for um, uh, looking for for for. for, for for quarrels with his father, I think they 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 disagree. I mean, they do disagree on some things, as I mentioned in the book. I mean, Prince Charles is, is almost evangelical about organic food and organic farming, whereas Prince William is a bit more pragmatic. Sort of, well, organic farming's fine; it's nice if you can do it, but actually, it's quite expensive. Not everybody could do it. So, um, you know, there are. That, let's, let's not get too obsessive about it. I mean, that's that's a sort of possibly the difference between the two of them. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think you could say that King Charles was a sort of uh, he's more of a purist on these matters, um, and 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 it, and he's more intellectual. I think that'd be fair to say. I mean, I talked to 
people around them about their tastes. You know, what's, um, uh, I mean, Prince Charles loves his books and his classical music and his opera. Um, and, and Prince William um, loves, um, as someone said, he loves action movies, Batman and Deadpool. <laughs> um, and he's quite keen on ACDC, but he's not mad keen on Wagner. Um, so I think they just, you know, they're, 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 there's a sort of generational difference. But I, I think there's also a very uh, acute and, and, and you know, profound sense that, um, that, you know, this is a team operation. There's yeah. no point in one side looking uh, wonderful and brilliant or exciting or, or, or glamorous at the yeah. expense of the other. Um, and I think it has been quite interesting how, you know, I mean, at the moment, you know, William and Kate are, they are the younger royal generation. I mean, now that Harry and Meghan have disappeared, they are the future. They're the young ones. Every, all the other working members of the family are, 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 are now of retirement age. Uh, and so William and Kate could be very, uh, you know, they could be very glamorous. I mean, they could be, you know, the sort of, you know, the most glamorous uh, sort of red carpet couple on the planet uh, if they wanted to. But I, I think they accept that if they did that, that that would, you know, that, that would upstage um, the monarch. And, and that's not what you do. So I think I think there's a um, there's a real understanding. And, I, and, and you know, over over um, Christmas, I, I wrote a documentary which came out in the, in Britain I don't think it's come out in the US yet but it was looking behind the scenes at uh, a lot of the coronation um, preparations and there were some very touching scenes there and I, I reflect that in the book and more because um, you know I was watching uh, all, the, all the build up to the coronation and just watching the way that the uh, you know the, the, the Prince of Wales and, and Kate and their children you know they, they, they really were part of the the build-up and the whole the whole coronation day, and, and and it was it was a bit like watching a kind of family wedding unfold. I mean, there was a real sense of um, of, of a family pulling together. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, I mean, to get back to your question, um, of course, they the father and son will have their differences. Um, some will be on on the substance of particular things. A lot will be um, <clears throat> something in the, in, in the approach to things. Um, you know. Um, the, uh, you know, Prince, Prince William will often turn up at events with no tie on, um, and that would be unthinkable to his father. I mean, I don't think you know he wouldn't you wouldn't see Prince Charles unless it unless it was clearly he was you know on a, it was it was a sort of uh, if he's out doing the garden or something. Um, you know, he 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 would he would always have a tie, um, and and you know William is just of his generation. Well, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this book and how much we've enjoyed our time with you this morning, we could talk to you forever, but we will leave with one final question. And that is, I'm not sure there's many people other than his family and the man himself that know as much about King Charles as you do. So what is something a lot of people don't know about him that you wish they did? <laughs> oh, golly. Uh, well, like I said, I mean, I, I think his, 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 I mentioned earlier, um, the, the, the fact that he, he refuses to eat lunch. He, he says, I'm, I'm like a camel. I go through the whole day without, without refueling. Um, I think, um, I think he's quite, he's quite a, a risk taker. He's quite a speed, a speed machine. Um, he, I, I found talking to people who, who, who've been in a car with him, he drives very fast, <laughs> um, but very well. I mean, he, you know, he's a, he's a good driver. Um, and he's um, he's a very fast skier. 
Um, we haven't seen him on the skis for a bit, and and he didn't go skiing. Um, uh, well, he hasn't been skiing since he was uh, since he became king. Not least because it would have been quite risky ahead of his coronation to be um, tearing down a a ski slope. <laughs> yeah. um, but he, uh, I, he, I think he has a sort of maybe he's got a sort of fatalistic streak. He's on, on the occasions when he's been in positions of considerable danger. And let's face it, you know, he has faced down a guy running at him with a with a gun yeah. um, in Australia. Um, you know, he he does. I mean, he has done extraordinary things. He he's probably been swimming under the Arctic uh, ice cap in a in a in a, in a deep sea diving um, suit when he was younger. He was um, he did parachute courses when he became colonel of the parachute regiment. Um, he insisted on going through their full parachute training, um, which he didn't need to do, but he did. So I think there's a there's a sort of constant inner sense of uh, he's a bit of a risk taker. He likes to uh, he like I think there's a need to sort of you know keep keep proving himself. Um, and um, yeah, he he and, and another thing actually, which I have noticed new since he became king, but just keep looking at what ties he wears. I mentioned earlier that Prince William isn't very keen on wearing ties. Charles has got a big tie collection, but he suddenly started wearing these kind of coded ties um, that have sort of messages that we're always trying to decipher. Um, <clears throat> and clearly the one he likes most, it has a little dinosaur pattern on it. And I got up close on the dinosaur. It's, it's a T-Rex. And I <laughs> one of his staff, is this, is this a kind of T-Rex, T-Rex joke going on here? And they said, oh, we couldn't possibly comment, uh, to which I, I take that to mean yes. Uh, and on another occasion, he was, he was, and I describe it in the book, he was, he was meeting a lot of very eminent people from all the oldest universities in Britain. Um, and, and I got up close, and his, ta his tie, I noticed, it had a, an owl pattern, covered in owls. Um, and I, I think it was a sort of wise owl um vine coming out of his neckwear um so uh yeah he, his his wardrobe and, and and you know normally um you know elderly chaps in suits aren't terribly interesting but um you know this one is so keep an eye out well i've learned a lot about king charles today and i'm definitely going to be zooming in on photos of his ties here <laughs> on out so <laughs> As Rachel mentioned at the start of this episode, this book, as with all of your books, is really fantastic. So to our listeners, go check out Making of a King, King Charles III and the Modern Monarchy. It is out as of January 18th, so it's available now. And thank you so much again, Robert, for being here with us today. Thank you both very much. It's a great pleasure to be back with you both. <laughs>